Ward 7 Alderman Joe McMiniman joins us with a preview of tonight's Committee of the Whole meeting. Alderman McMiniman, good morning to you. And, and first of all, you know, knowing your background with, with military and, and, you know, you have that kind of background. What do you think of all this defunding the police stuff that we're hearing from not Springfield, but uh, other places in the nation? Good morning, Chris. I think that, you know, on the face of it, it, it's almost like an absurd idea to defund our police. But in certain uh, cities, they're targeting certain trends that they've seen. Like in New York City, they've got, <clears throat> they've got three decades of declining crime. But in the last four years, the police budget has increased by 20%. They've got, in New York City, they've got 5,000 police assigned to schools, and they've got 500 psychologists for the kids. So I think they're trying to rebalance things up in New York City, but that doesn't apply to us here in Springfield or in most cities. So I think here locally, the defunding issue to me would be uh, the the, um, cops in the schools, in the high schools. There's some uh, sentiment out there that for the... Well, back when I was in high school, you know, we had open campuses. You know, you could leave at lunchtime. They got closed campuses now, and then when you go to high school, you got a cop at the front door. So I think there's that feeling that you're going to jail. And so I, I understand that sentiment among the young people, and we, I think we have to review some of those types of situations. I think there's also a concern that we've militarized our police, and we want to possibly defund some of that spending on military vehicles, military gear, military look-alike type stuff. We've got to keep the police separate from our army. We don't want it ever to be like that in our country the military is against our own people. We don't want that type of perception out there, Chris. And I was glad some of our top generals spoke up about that in the last uh, week or two when there was um, some over-militarization of our federal capital in D.C., Alderman Joe McMiniman joins us with the News Talk 94.7 to 970 WMAY News Feed. Thanks again for taking time with us this morning, Alderman. But what do you say to, uh, you know, the police's, uh, you know, the associations like the Association of Chiefs of Police saying that uh, they need to be prepared uh, for any civil unrest and taking away some of the equipment that they may get in military surplus could limit their ability to react? What do you say to, uh, you know, parents who want to make sure their kids are safe at school? Uh, should we arm teachers instead of having uh, armed police there to protect them? Um, what about uh, the, the questions of uh, spending on uh, police pensions, <laughs> those types of things? That seems to be where a lot of uh, extra cost comes from. Uh, uh, so there's a lot of other kind of areas of conversation when it comes to, to police funding and what happens when you change those funding mechanisms or uh, how those dollars are allocated. Can you address some of those concerns about um, being prepared in the face of civil unrest, keeping schools safe and secure, and reprioritizing dollars to where it, it makes the most sense? That's a long question, Greg, um, but... In, in summary, I mean, each situation has to be judged on its own facts and circumstances. Uh, I talked with our son last night. Again, now he's in his mid-30s, so he's thinking back to high school. He thought there were very few situations in high school that could not have been handled by an effective, you know, assistant principal for discipline. And uh, that's better to have um, the teachers and, you know, the assigned uh, administration person handle most disputes that arise within the high school context. Um, so 
that that answers just a slice of your question. Sure. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert on the school funding and so forth. But what about the um, uh, idea of being prepared in the face of civil unrest with some of these um, armored vehicles or uh, other types of equipment like riot gear that kind of makes it look like a militarized police to a degree? Uh, shouldn't they have that stuff on standby just in case? I I understand there's some that think we should, but you know we have the National Guard there for a purpose, and that's the call in force when the things do get out of hand. I think it's a mistake to um, confuse the two identities and keep them separate. So when you see military, it is that in fact military, and if you see police, they are in fact military. I think it's important to keep those uniforms distinct and separate. And um, and I, I think it's best to you know there's no reason to have vehicles in camouflage and that kind of thing. Just make them look like police vehicles, and I think it helps uh, the perception and uh, keeps everyone in their in their in their proper lanes. And then, Alderman, you've been uh, critical of um, uh, police union contracts, uh, and in particular, you've uh, raised questions about. Uh, the, the cost of pensions and the continued increase in pension costs, that plays a lot with public resources and how those are allocated. Uh, but you also were um, you know, instrumental in getting uh, uh, the, the residency requirements uh, brought back. However, it's not for Springfield Police because uh, while well, that contract uh, element was not included after um, uh, a court uh, case, from my understanding. So uh, talk a bit about that aspect. You know, you've, you've discussed the financial components of residency. But isn't there also a um, policing, uh, a community policing aspect in residency as well? Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned that or brought that up, Greg, because I did speak at one of the rallies uh, in the past week, at the one on Sunday that Senator Durbin was also attending and our mayor attended. And uh, there were many aldermen there. And uh, I spoke very briefly uh, at the uh, there were speakers and there was a march to downtown from the state capitol and then some more um, speakers, and that's when I spoke. And I, I mentioned exactly what you just brought up, the residency. It's ironic that we had a advisory referendum eight years ago that was overwhelmingly supported in uh, all the precincts across the city, and we then had to wait for the right number of votes on the council to form and the right mayor that would push it, which was Mayor Langfelder. So then four years ago, Four years after the referendum, we did pass a uh, residency ordinance that was immediately effective upon non-union employees. But then we had to, one by one, get the residency um, in each of the collective bargaining agreements, and we've got 24 of them. It's just ironic, Greg, that the only holdout is the police, that uh, we don't yet have residency, meaning you've got to become a, a, a resident of Springfield when you're hired. That's basically what the residency requirement uh, provides. And you're right. I think that residency does create good policing or better policing. It can. Uh, one of the lessons we learned from Ferguson, Missouri, was that they had a bunch of outsiders coming in to police the locals. I think it's best to have our police well informed of our neighborhoods, of our community, attending our churches, schools, businesses. Uh, going to sporting events, not just as police, but as fathers and uh, mothers of our school children. I think it creates a better atmosphere, better, more understanding, uh, but more respect, more commitment. And so we, I'm strongly in favor of residency for our 
Springfield Police, and I hope that uh, we we will achieve that when the, the their bargaining contract comes up the next time. Alderman, we uh, have yet to even touch on what's going to possibly happen at tonight's Committee of the Whole. Can you stick around after the commercial break? Sure can. i got an outline of what will come Perfect. up, Greg. Perfect. Perfect. It comes Sounds prepared. Yeah, right, comes yeah, prepared. Absolutely does. Appreciate absolutely that. Does. Preview for tonight. Go Give ahead. us the elevator speech. What's going on at the sure. uh, Committee of the Whole? Sure. And we do have, uh, staying on the police theme, we do have a couple of ordinances uh, that relate to the police. But just real briefly on the police and fire pensions, Greg, you're correct. I really think we need to properly fund our police and fire because our police and fire local, they don't pay into Social Security. All they got is the police and fire pension funds, but we got to keep it uh, reasonable and we got to balance current pay and benefits, anticipating the cost of future pensions. And we just got to keep everything in balance and not keep going further and further into debt. But getting off that subject, the uh, we do have a $302,000 grant that our police received to uh, work with the coronavirus for the next two years, so we'll find out how that money might be spent. That's a federal grant. We have an appointment to the policy, the police review commission. We haven't heard too much about that lately. There's an appointment, a reappointment uh, by to, uh, Ben Schwarm, so maybe we'll learn uh, what reform ideas um, Alderwoman Doris Turner and Alderman uh, Sean Gregory have um, when we get into that conversation. But there's some more um, very interesting ordinances among the 15 that we have. We've got an ordinance to spend about a million dollars on lead pipe service lines. That's the, those are the pipes that bring in fresh water to homes. We've got 10,000 homes that are that have lead pipes, and we're going to uh, fix the first 150 of them with this money, Greg and Chris. And so the interesting part of that will be which homes do we choose to uh, re-pipe first. It costs about 7000 plus to uh, re-pipe each home. Uh, but I think the most interesting conversation, though, will be um, relative to two ordinances, one having to do with the Housing Policy Council. You might remember that our mayor has uh, initiated a new commission to try to encourage home ownership among modest and middle-income Residents and uh, the appointments to that commission has have been held up for a couple of months. Uh, so now the mayor is trying to get this through the council. So he's adding an eighth uh, member to the commission. It had been a seven-member commission. Now it'd be an eighth member, and he's appointing a renter to the commission. So hopefully, then that will allow a discussion of all the appointments he's previously made, and get a final vote coming up. Uh, a week from today, today's committee of the whole. So a week from now, we'll have, we'll have the final vote. Um, well, Alderman, I think we're at the uh, the top floor here, so <laughs> we've made it all the way to the top in the elevator. Uh, anything else top of mind you think is important? People need to go uh, heading into tonight. Code violations. We've got an ordinance that says, hey, if you have to go to a hearing, you will pay money to the city council uh-huh. for, or to the city government for a code violation. That'll be uh, probably the most discussion on that one. Right on. Well, uh, greatly appreciated. We'll bring everybody uh, all the highlights, of course, at the Council Roundup tomorrow morning at 7. Alderman Joe McMiniman, thank you so much for taking time with us this morning. Sorry for the long elevator. Oh, <laughs> a, no, 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 don't worry about it. No, that's, okay. uh, that's on me. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Appreciate Seven. that.